Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 233 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm joined, I'm Kurt, joined this week by my co-hosts, who are uh, very deep in thought, Peter and Jake. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, the vodka-induced amnesia edition of the cast today. Uh, the last 12 hours have been really good to me. Uh, oh. Yeah. So are you saying that you do not remember the movie we watched this week? No, I do remember. Because I watched it this morning while nursing, still being drunk from drinking a handle of whipped cream vodka. Jesus Christ, what did you do? <laughs> Why whipped cream? All of it. I did everything. Hey, I I won't I won't judge on that front. I'll, I'll judge. I'll, I'll judge. Right. Super hard. Hey, I mean, what better occasion to celebrate than a random Friday in October? I love it. <laughs> I like I like celebrating on random days. I like drinking alone. I know. I'm, I like. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm the last person to uh, chastise anyone for drinking copious amounts of alcohol, uh, with or without company. But I will criticize you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't alone. There were people there. That's good. There is a mustachioed man, and they 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 fixed my neighbor's shower curtain. Not his shower curtains, but his his curtains on his windows. That was a principal activity of last night. Was them on a fucking halfway up on a twelve foot high like ladder fixing curtain rods, while we were pounding uh, whipped cream vodka and and cranberry juice. And me hiding and the other course, bottle of gin you gave the in the couch from the mustachioed man. You, I hope you offered some to the people on ladders. You know, they really, they could have used something to, to ease the nerves of being up there. Oh, I'm did. hoping they were following. No, I, I need to. Guidelines. I need to. I need to bitch about this guy for a second. Okay, Please. Kenny, when you make a martini, you don't pour a full cup of my gin into the glass. And then wave a vermouth bottle around it. All right, that's I bought that. That's mine. <laughs> you you can't just drink half of that. It's like um, it's like a reverse uh, like sparkling water, flavored sparkling water, where just like a touch of flavor. <laughs> it was next to a strawberry, so we could legally call it a strawberry. <laughs> This is, this is how they flavor White Claw. They take a jar of Rancher and they go, that's yeah. it. It's enough. That's all you get. <laughs> this Jolly Rancher has to last us for that's a month. We, we got to get through. We got a whole assembly line today. We only bought one bag of Jolly Ranchers, so we got to make that shit last. Get the Dunkin'. Oh, is it like, you ever seen like, um, when you have like really sleazy whiskey companies, maybe not sleazy, but like some, some whiskey companies who are like, we're barrel aged. Which means that they hook a barrel up to the fucking spout, so it it flies through <laughs> it, a barrel. It was in the barrel for for an, an amount of time. We had a barrel. The barrel was next to the bottle. See, and the bottles were shipped in a barrel in Ireland. And then we <laughs> in Ireland, there are actually laws governing uh, 
what you can and can't sell as whiskey. And part of it is that it has to sit in whatever cask for a certain number of years before it can be legally distributed. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Except in America, we're just like, hey, if you're smart hey. enough to... And this is why I drink locals. Irish whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, are we in a barrel this week? Are we coming Dude, at you live from a barrel? I don't even know where we are, man. We might... We might be we might be in a building that's like crumbling or like folding on top of each other or like in a mirror because we're in a dream, guys. We're coming at you live from inside Kurt's dream, inside Pete's dream that may or may not be his subconscious dreaming. Oh no, did I black out? Is or are we inside your dream, dream Jake? <laughs> Oh, that's a big twist at the end. You can't give it away. <laughs> this, yeah, I. You know what? I I haven't seen this movie, which is Inception. In case you you couldn't figure that one out. Inception, um, the Dream Warriors. I hadn't seen this movie in a number of years, and I remember being like a lot of people perplexed by it the first few times I watched it. But I watched it this time; it made perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, right. I. Everybody was saying like, "Oh, it was such a mind fuck. It was such a mind fuck." I I couldn't. I followed it pretty pretty thoroughly, and I just wanted to make sure that they were following their own rules. Right, that's yeah. what I was looking out for the most because they set in place multiple rules, and I'm like, "Okay, this is pretty hard to like. It's pretty easy to break those rules, like all the kicks." Yeah, I'm like that. That would have woken you up. Yeah, um, there are. I know the sedative. <laughs> I was watching for two things. I was watching how closely they uh, kept to their own rules, and whether or not the wedding ring, ring theory held, holds up. The answer to both oh. is yes. Uh, but I also, when researching the movie after I finished watching it, found a definitive answer to whether or not the ending of the movie was real or dream. And it comes courtesy of one Michael Caine, which uh, I will reveal at the end of the movie. Yeah, I was wa- as I was watching this movie, I'm like, this is just Christopher Nolan's stable of actors. He's like, all right, guys, come on, we got one for you. There's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's Michael Caine. There's Tom Hardy. Michael Caine. They're all in My there. My name is Michael Caine. So uh, I, uh... we originally were going to watch Tenet. But uh, circumstances made that difficult, and the uh, yeah. quality of options we had to watch Tenant were poor. poor. Yeah, I I never checked out. I probably was gonna go onto like Pirate Bay and like try to torrent it, but I don't even know if those torrents are good. Those are so it's, iffy. It's the Chinese. It, most of them are the Chinese Chinatown bootlegs that you buy on the the streets in New York yeah. City, where they go in with their fucking Sony HD Handycam. See somebody get up in the middle to go get popcorn. Yeah, usually <laughs> like, they go on there... the. So I think they're like industrialized now, where all the theaters in Chinatown will like only let in the people making bootlegs, so you don't have that issue. <laughs> well, they advertise, "Hey, Thursday's bootleg night, guys, come on in." It's the bootleg rating board. <laughs> Do you guys need a tripod for your camera? See no? now, okay. Yeah, they don't sell popcorn no. or candy. They just sell like tripods and fucking candy cans, <laughs> gimbals. No, no, no outside food. No, no, that's we, you buy our food here. You buy our Skittles, our ten dollars Skittles here. 
<laughs> now, see, now we're thinking of bootlegs, and now I have to imagine what does the Tenet porn parody look like? Is it like dicked, but the the it's mirrored halfway through? And they're doing it, and then he finishes, and the cum goes back in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I, man. Sure. Yeah, I, sure. Totally, I totally have given this matter a ton of thought. Look, I'll give I spent a whole 30 I'll seconds thinking of that, which is longer than the than how much thought people have put into some of the trailers this week. On Trey Watch. Oh my god, we've got... Where we watch trailers. Yeah, a weekly trailer roundup and review segment. Um, we've got we've got a smorgasbord here today. Uh, let's start yep. off with uh, a favorite that... Uh, we don't talk a lot about TV show trailers here, but uh, this is an exception. We have a trailer that dropped on the 12th for season 5 of The Eric Andre Show. Um, he's coming back. He's gone to great lengths to keep the show doable. I was reading an interview. Where he fucking gained 20 pounds and bicked his head. No hair <laughs> to order in order to, uh, be unrecognizable from the public. And he says it worked. He, he described himself as looking like a guy who runs a bodega. <laughs> he looks like, he looks like. I don't know, two degrees of separation from, like, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> he looks like if Eric Andre did a Kingpin cosplay. He did a lot of uh, fake tanning, too, was the other thing he said in his uh, Rolling Stone interview. Yeah, he looks very tan. He, yeah. He, he's inspired by the, uh, the leader of the free world. <laughs> That's fantastic. He, um, I, I, yeah, you know what? More... I don't watch his show as much as I feel like I should. Because every single clip I see from that, it's just hilarious. Yeah, the whole and show. I, is great. I've watched his stand up before, and it's it's so good. The whole show is great. I love it to death. He's My... a little he's, he's a little free with his nudity, <laughs> which I I will respect. I don't think I would want to go to one of his shows and have a dick shoved in my face. No, but... I would never volunteer <laughs> to be a guest on the Eric Andre show ever. But. It's given us some some classics like uh, the treadmill rap battle between Action Bronson and Killer Mike, <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, fucking they did like a Ninja Warrior obstacle course with the rappers over freestyling too while they were blindfolded and they had like some American Gladiators motherfucker knocking them off the balance beam onto mouse traps. Yes, yep. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, they got pissed. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't blame them. <laughs> like goddamn, Adult Swim must have some amazing lawyers because there's no way that show doesn't get sued on the regular. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, a lot of stuff that that they do. Like I I was thinking about this the other day because this reminds me a little bit, not to the extent, but um, the Sasha Baron Cohen's. Yeah, show, his stuff. What is is it? What is America? Who is America? Or who is America? Yeah, who is America? And it's just like, dude, how the fuck are you not just swimming in lawsuits? Because he just gets like Republican like congressmen, senators to just openly admit to giving like second graders in Pakistan like loaded handguns. <laughs> 
just makes him just confess like the worst shit. Just like, he sat down with Dick Cheney and made Dick Cheney openly admit of doing war crimes. Oh, well, I mean, Dick Cheney probably yeah. will do that to anyone because he's untouchable. <laughs> His buddies at Halliburton will get him out of any jam he finds himself in. Jesus. He made him sign his waterboarding kit. <laughs> uh, Which consisted of a rag and a, a gallon jug. <laughs> An empty gallon jug. Um, so bad. Next up, we have another entry in the uh, AI-generated horror movie franchise <laughs> with The Empty Man after the... Uh, the lesser bye success bye of the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> we have the Empty Man. I don't get these movies because I think there's uh, uh, some other movies where it's just like the the the, the blank man. I'll tell you the how, Invisible Man. I'll tell you how these movies get made. We we remark all the time that the only movies that make any money are superhero movies or other high budget action movies from a big studio and horror movies made on a shoestring budget. So some accountant in Hollywood was pushing his pencils around and, and counting his beans and was like, wait a minute. And he, he learned some Python. He made a script and it just shits out horror movie scripts. <laughs> and, and writer bot 5,000 has just made its newest masterpiece. The empty man. It's like the Pizzo-O-Matic where you feed in Ask Reddit threads of what's the creepiest thing that you've ever seen on the job, at home, in your car, with your girlfriend, every fucking day. I, there's too many of those threads on the site. <laughs> they just You feed them into the, in the conveyor belt and out comes, you know, generic script number 58. Yeah, yeah like, like I'm waiting for just like them to resort to taking those creepypastas off of Reddit and just being like, that. Oh. I mean there that's basically what the Slender Man sl- is. Yeah. And um what what is the the, the foghorn siren? Oh yeah, siren, siren head. boy. Siren head, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I cuz that I guarantee that's going to be a movie in like 5 years. I guess. I don't think it has the like the grasp, the grab. It was like I don't a know. it was like a two week meme, you know. Yeah, you he was a siren. Can we make... <laughs> so, after we go through the uh, creepy pastas, can we start making movies about the copy pastas? Like, I want to see the <laughs> one with the celebrity at the supermarket. <laughs> the oh, hand shit. in the face and the making the cashier scan each individual <laughs> Snickers bar. <laughs> truly oh, terrifying. But truly, we're going to have to get... Um, what the fuck did you say, say to me? Uh, the movie. Otherwise known as Guerrilla Warfare, the movie. Zero four zero two one has a comment on the uh, Empty Man trailer, uh, movie clips trailers that I want to share. Uh, this looks stupid, like the Bye Bye Man or Slender Man movie. Chris Hollywood is creatively bankrupt. <laughs> I don't know who Chris Hollywood is, but he's creatively bankrupt. Chris Hollywood, do fuck that guy. It's just it's like it's it's the friend of Joe Football or uh, Joe College. You got Joe College and uh, Chris Hollywood. Chris Hollywood. Props, props to Shaolin Marauder for saying the sequel, The Full Man. Um, 
I have a question. Do we think that Chris Hollywood is in any way related to Chris R from The Room? I'm going to say yes. Because they have the fir- same first name, right? They got to be related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Just so we're on the same page. It's like Dolphin Kevin Bacon Lee. and actual bacon. It's the same thing. There's there's no difference between the two. They are one branch away. It just that is evidence of evolution. I don't know what like. Yeah, checkmate. What science deniers? <laughs> what more could you, you can... ask for? You have bacon, a thing, and then you have bacon. Kevin Bacon, another more advanced thing, totally originating <laughs> from the other thing. I like to. <laughs> I like to imagine Kevin Bacon evolves from Bacon like Pokemon. Yes, it's exactly like once he reaches level 16, he evolves into Kevin Bacon. Bacon. First it was ham. How do you level up Bacon, though? It's very difficult. You just, you, you're eating your BLT like, and it starts glowing. What's this? Well, you just you just swap them out. It's like a Metapod. Oh, yeah. Bacon, bacon is just the chrysalis form you take, of Kevin you Bacon. You take bacon to a cockfight, and you dangle in front of the chicken, and then you swap it out for your your other chicken. <laughs> and it gains some experience, yeah. and then slowly, until level 10, uh, it be- sprouts his wings and becomes Kevin Bacon. Eventually, hey. <laughs> scientists are working on an experience share, which will streamline the process quite a bit. I think I I just think that's Neuralink. That's Elon Musk's Neuralink. <laughs> He's setting up. Maybe it's Google Fiber. <laughs> oh, and maybe it's Google Monster Fiber. Hunter. Maybe it's Monster. Oh, jeez. Maybe it's Maybelline. Brought to you by maybe. Brought to you by Maybelline. Maybe it's Monster Hunter. Maybe yeah. it's a random movie that they somehow got the like the directors of the game to be like, yeah, we like it. Well, Paul W.S. Anderson is well known for his terrible video game movies, uh, like the Resident Evil and Underworld series. Uh, he makes movies solely so that his wife can star in movies. Uh, and she's back again. It's Mila Djokovic, fresh off of her uh, just terrible performance in the 2019 hellboy Um, and and you think to yourself how how are they gonna fuck up monster hunter this time like is it just gonna be just bad acting is it is it gonna be like really bad effects and it is all of those things but he, uh, he likes to bring in the variety and he hits you right away with the hook which is when you look at the trailer for monster hunter and it's three jarheads in like a desert war gear in like Afghanistan or whatever, and then I scroll down and the the, tri- the title still says Monster Hunter. I have an out of body experience. So <laughs> I so lose I've, consciousness for for a good second. So this is what I'm excited to talk about because I've um I've talked to Dave at length about this, and Dave loves Monster Hunter. Like Monster Hunter World is his shit. Um, it's really big in uh japan it's basically yeah, the reason enough. capcom still it's, exists as a company yeah yeah <laughs> like it's it's like as big as pokemon over there um and i think monster hunter world kind of brought it over here a little bit more and made it a little bit more popular i think monster mm-hmm. hunter world was pretty popular over here yeah monster hunter um, 3 on the 3ds was also pretty popular i remember that oh. being big so i have a few thoughts about this one the military people that get like teleported into the Monster Hunter world 
plausible how, how, that abides by the laws of Monster Hunter. But how, and how because, do they get teleported, Jake? Why don't you, you inform the audience what... A big big storm comes over and uh, electrocutes rocks. Uh, <laughs> how else do you create a portal? <laughs> uh, so, when a meteor port- comes down and you go through the meteor in New York City and then you end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario Bros. was a historical documentary. <laughs> Paved the way so we could make films like this. Paved the way for Bob Hoskins fucking wait, wait, so that actually, alcoholism. <laughs> the Mario Bros. movie actually happened in real life? Yes. Is that Does that explain all the bodega cats? <laughs> Have you yes. ever seen Bob Hoskins? Yeah. The answer is no, because he died of alcoholism because oh. of his traumatic experience in the Mushroom I did Kingdom. It in the movies. <laughs> Peter's oh, uncle Bob. Baba. Wait, didn't Bob? Didn't he? Didn't he pick up that that Humvee with his le- leathery wings and fly into the air? With it? that wasn't Bob. No, unfortunately. Oh, I thought that was his best uh, character actor moment ever, where he gets to play the dragon. <laughs> So, so there are portals in Monster Hunter World. They've had Resident Evil crossovers, and they've had The Witcher crossovers into Monster Hunter. Yeah, that's a, that's an that easy. That's that a that's a pretty natural is, crossover. There. Is just portal, <laughs> portal from this world into this world. Oh yeah, Capcom's no get, stranger like, to crossovers. Uh, we've had. Yeah. We've had many characters from other games and franchises make their way into Street Fighter. Um, I think it's a little crazy to think that they're just like skipping all the, the main source material and just going right to DLC level of stuff. <laughs> Is it crazy though? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, it, it runs the track record. It follows the track record of the director, I guess, but it's just like you, you had so much cool stuff. So I think this might work. And it might work because Monster Hunter doesn't really have a huge, like, overarching plot or, like, storyline behind it. They just have, like, monsters and then your character that, you that hunt fights them? the monsters. That, that you hunt them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just I, have, like, all the different, like, the names of the different monsters. So, like, as long as they keep those, like, designs and names, like, concurrent and then maybe, like, some swords, uh, that's they're going to be... I think fans are going to be pleased, I guess, because there's no like, oh, this guy better be in it doing this thing. Not, All they're asking for is the the the, the cats. I feel like the world is very important, and Monster Hunter has a very lush, lively world that it's set in, and this is a desert. <laughs> well, no, there's there's also the jungle. I mean... Which trailer did you see? Did you see the the? Yeah, I saw the, the one on movie one? clips. I mean, it's so, it's I large. Mean, there is a jungle, yes, but it's largely desert. You you so, only see the people in the desert. Yeah, which is which. I don't know the story. So I think what's gonna happen is like, I think Mila Djokovic and her like team are gonna get like mostly wiped out by uh, Diablos, which is the name of that first guy with the horns, uh, in the desert. And then this hunter's gonna come over, save him, bring him back to his like little jungle or whatever, and then we're gonna see some some more area. But we do see some of the other spots in the trailer. I would be disappointed if like the desert was like the majority of the movie, but I have a sinking suspicion that it will be. 
Could be. He loves. To, he does love his desert locales. Yes. In fact, he put a Resident Evil movie in the desert. Entirely. For reasons. I mean, I guess Resident Evil it's 5 a... exists, but still, the... even then, they were favelas. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I, I guess if there's anything I would want out of this, it would be an extended monster hunting scene. Um, because that's the impression that I get from these games, is that like the draw is, here's a, here's a two-hour monster fight. That you're just in, and you just yeah, fight for, for like a fucking raid boss. It's a forever. lot. It's a lot like Shadow of the Colossus. If that game had like a leveling system that encouraged grinding, so it's just big epic boss fights with other players in Monster Hunter World, and you just go, you go nuts on it. And it takes a long time because they have like a million fucking HP and everyone's just hacking away. Doing, yeah, there was, doing there was one 50 thing damage that I, at a time. There was one thing that I saw that was that might be cool if they do do it. So like a big part of Monster Hunter is also like breaking of the monsters, like the breaking off a horn or something like that. Yeah, your trophy. And that like that that signifies like maybe the the next part of the battle. And I saw at one point Diablo's doesn't have part of his horn so if they could implement that into this where they like break parts of the monster off and then they can maybe collect it or they that just like is to the next level of fighting i think that'd be kind of neat i can i can guarantee you one thing this movie will not be good i don't think so i think i think it might just be like some action monster porn if you're if you're looking for a sonic the hedgehog quality video game movie look elsewhere yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be up there. Um, but I mean, it follows the track record of the guy. He doesn't go too much by source material. No, because he's butchered <laughs> Resident Evil. Watching Resident Evil movie, there is a, there's a rather robust story there. But his connection to Resident Evil is just, <clears throat> I will mention the T virus and the Umbrella Corporation, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Mila Jovovich spin kick a dragon. I would like to see Mila Djokovic uh, retire and not be in movies anymore. Uh, you know who we don't want to retire? Nick Cage. Bob Hoskins? Nick Cage. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to think Bob Hoskins is still active in the afterlife. <laughs> he is. He, he definitely is. Uh, yeah, Nick Trump's Cage. Back. Never never stop picking any movie that they send you <laughs> So first one that comes across the desk. We have a movie coming out. It's called Jujitsu. And now, Nick Cage thought this was like a like a religious movie, <laughs> like a religious like fighting movie, like about the Jewish culture. But uh, when he got up on when he got to set wearing a star David and a yarmulke, he was sadly mistaken. Yeah, it's it's a movie <laughs> like. I'm trying to explain because I actually think this movie looks like it could be a lot of fun and not necessarily oh, a bad movie. So this is directed by the same guy who did Kickboxer Retaliation, which if you've never seen Kickboxer Retaliation, it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, it has it's a remake of Kickboxer starring Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme's in this movie he trains the next kick- Kickboxer 
who's uh, trying to take revenge on Tong Po for uh, killing his brother in in a kickboxing match. And it's, you know, it's not like super deep or anything, but for the, what the movie is, it's actually pretty good. And this movie, for what, like the, the, remove the title from it. I think the title is what has people hung up a lot because who names the movie Jiu-Jitsu? It's a fair criticism to have. Like, why would you ever do this? But the actual movie itself is a lot of what looked to be really well choreographed fight scenes uh, where uh, Nick Cage's team is defending Earth from a martial artist predator a monster. Power Ranger? Yeah. One Power Ranger? <laughs> One well, Villamax has come down from the sky to, <laughs> to take over Earth, and Nick Cage and his... His merry gang of martial artists are, are there to stop him. And if it were called something else, like, you know, Earth Defense Force or something, <laughs> I don't Force. think people would be as like, ha-ha, look at this movie and laugh. Because I think they see the title, and then someone wrote a review of how it's just, you know, a bunch of jujitsu people defending her from aliens and we're like ha 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 what a hilarious concept what that a funny is funny story nick yeah <laughs> without actually watching the trailer ran with it because you would see that it's like sort of yes but it's just like these people are charged with protecting earth from villa max and they're gonna do it i think it's going to be wild wild fun like just not a care in the world. Just go for it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun movie. One of those movies, like a Get Duked, where, yes, it's not going to win any awards, and it's not going to change your perspective on life or filmmaking, but you will sit down, you will watch it, and you will be entertained for its runtime. Mm-hmm. And not in the and same way that you're entertained by, like, a Neil Breen movie. Yeah, and I think, I think Nick Cage is going to be... I think there's a Nick Cage, and I think that's okay. Because he's a goofy, kind of zany guy, but I think if they choreograph him the right way and give him the right lines, I think he'll come off as uh, pretty appealing. He's been in some, and, like, uh, you know, stuff. <laughs> yep. And with this, hopefully he'll get enough money to put the last payment, make the last payment. On his throne made out of turtle shells or whatever the fuck he bought this time. <laughs> well, I just hope they don't catch him uh, for stealing the Declaration of Independence. I mean, he is he is really on the land. That is for that, that one. is bold of him to to be so public after a crime like that. <laughs> yeah, that was a documentary, not a. <laughs> Here you go. That was a how-to video of him. I'm I'm just. I'll just steal the document. I'll read the headline just so you you know where I'm coming from on this with the terms of the money. Nicholas Cage. So this was, uh, I guess, last year, last summer. Uh, headline from CNBC. Nicholas Cage blew $150 million on a dinosaur skull, pygmy heads, and two European castles. He'll just, he'll just buy whatever. I mean, he's made a ton of money. He's been in a lot of hey, movies that have made a lot of money. And a lot of movies that haven't made as much money, but he got paid handsomely to be in. <laughs> yep. Oh my god, this fucking paragraph. Oh, go on his IMDb. He, it's like eighty thousand pages. 
it's yeah he just go he just can't stop he's nick he's, cage the ceaseless actor <laughs> it's true he escaped from the blind eternities and he's come to wreck our cinema <laughs> His latest film that he's working on right now, even though Jujitsu is not out yet, he's already started work on another film. It's uh, it's called The Unbearable Weight of Incredible Talent. Uh, and Nick Cage plays Nick Cage forced to attend a birthday party of someone he owes money to. That's the premise. And also probably what's going on. <laughs> that sounds a lot like Uncut Gems. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I have no doubts that Nick Cage films eight movies at a time. Yeah. One of the first ones that come up on him. Uh, probably the, National Treasure, The Rock, and, uh. Actor, Face Off, 1997. Face Off. Is that his, is that his most, like, popular one? I mean, that's the one that you and I bonded over, so it must be. Mm -hmm. It has to be. I would assume it's that National Treasure, National Treasure Two, and The Rock. No way, there. So it has on his IMDb page, Untitled Joe Exotic Project. I did TV hear about that. I did hear he was going to play Joe Exotic in a movie. It's in pre-production, and he is listed as Joe Exotic. <laughs> That's fucking phenomenal. Listed for eight episodes. He's like, I feel like his one condition for signing is like, you know, I don't have a lot of standards here. I'll just do it. But I have to ask, can I keep the tiger? <laughs> you know, I got to ask, can I keep the tiger? How funny would they be? <laughs> How funny would it be if they like, not funny, I guess, because the tigers would be in danger. But like, if the if they got like charged for like animal cruelty for filming that, if it goes like too method. <laughs> <laughs> because two method and they actually harm tigers in the making of this. <laughs> he gets a prison <laughs> oh, sentence no. and he winds up like actual cellmates with the real Joe Exotic. Oh, like they work with Carol Baskins, like <laughs> who, by the way, cannot dance for shit. Fuck Carol Baskins. She killed her husband. She can't dance. <laughs> she was on Dancing with the Stars. And I watched well, don't it. you know, Jake? Cats can't dance. They made a movie about it. <laughs> Cat. Well, she wishes she was. <laughs> dressed up like a cat every single time. I'll tell well, you that. No really? shit. Like we saw in Tiger King. Like that's all her wardrobe is is cat prints. It's true. <laughs> I didn't know they made so many cat print garments. <laughs> I want to find some of the stills from from that because she she had her. I don't know if it was his idea or if it was her idea. But her partner, who's a professional dancer in Dancing with the Stars, dressed up like a lion for when they sang when they danced a Lion King. And he had prosthetic like lion makeup on it that made him look horrifying. <laughs> yeah, cats in real life. <laughs> Which is how it started, it actually, because it was a Broadway musical. Uh, we got a second trailer for Soul. It's been pulled from theaters and comments are turned off for some reason on this trailer. Wow. Oh, people wow. are pissed about it. Why? People, um, no, I'm sorry, not people, um, movie theaters. Oh, right. <laughs> they're not people. <laughs> they're they're really pissed about it because they're like, the fuck? Like, this is killing us. Well, a lot of states are going to be locking back down soon. <laughs> like, there's, 
Oh Jesus. Why why would you share this with me, Jake? Oh God. Oh God, no, why? <laughs> That's nightmares. I should set up a second scene so like on the video podcast I can show some of these fucking images. But that's that's too much work to do at, at this point in time. Um, I I can't be held responsible. Jeez, the dude I fucking looks like. <laughs> did they just like go to the makeup department from the Wizard of Oz? Yes, he does look like the lion from Wizard of Oz. Oh my god, it's so horrifying. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Soul is coming to. <laughs> Disney Plus, it will start streaming on Christmas. So, uh, Disney waging war on Jewish Christmas. <laughs> Attacking half the institutions of that tradition. <laughs> Next up, Disney's going to make a play. To, but we thought Amazon was behind it. But no, it turns out Disney is going to make a play and they're going to buy up all the Chinese food restaurants in Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why the comments are turned off. Yeah, I don't, I don't get yeah. that one. All the is there a lot of afraid of all the hate and vitriol for Soul? Usually, I don't, I didn't think so. I don't know. I know people were. I, I was a little grumpy when that first trailer came out. Where I was like, oh, cool. It's about like a music teacher in the city, and he's like following his dreams, and it's, it's like cool music and and beautiful cityscapes, and oh, oh, he's a blue marshmallow now. It looks like they oh, do okay. come back seem... to the city. Like this trailer showed quite a bit more of of what kind of happens in the movie, and they do show a lot more of like stuff in the city. So it it seems as though there's going to be more of the cityscape than we first imagined. Well, do you remember the um, the first trailer they released of this? It like got a lot of pushback because they showed like the actor as a black animated character for like a. F- very small portion of the trailer and the rest of it was like him being kind of whitewashed for lack of a better word as like this soul character i you now that you say it i do kind of remember that i remember and then they released another trailer where the majority of it was his black character animated and they're like no 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 he's black <laughs> god i hate like, people we have people of color. so much like <laughs> They get mad about the dumbest fucking shit. Because they got tunnel vision. They can't, like, accept a complex idea. <laughs> it's just got to be, like, and it's simple as so. Four. So yeah. what you're saying is that they're judging this movie on, on the color of his skin and not on the literal content of his character? Yes. Yes. That's which he is for most of this movie. We've come because we've come back in time on civil rights. We've, <laughs> we've become so woke that we're regressing. Weirdly, I think that's true in a lot of ways. Yeah, sure. I mean, it all I mean, comes from a place of good intentions, but as the old saying goes, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, wasn't there something something with like Harvard uh, or Yale? With like bringing in too many Asian students, and then like affirmative action. No, they like discriminated against or... Asian students because uh, they were, they were Asian? no, because there were too because like if you accepted them based on merit, like the 
student body would be like 90% Asian. Yeah. But because they they have their quotas they got to fill, they would reject more qualified Asian applicants to accept minority applicants with lesser qualifications. Yeah. Rejecting a minority just to get other minorities. Well, don't you know Asian Boss, people are, it's, it's are white now? It's a whole now. thing. <laughs> I will. I will say that. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because that's certainly no. That's this is our strong <laughs> a suit. controversial <laughs> issue. This is our strong suit. Let's talk more about race. I have a. You know, I we all. I'm sure we all have a lot of complex opinions on <laughs> on three white boys talking about race. But, uh, yeah, we're not allowed to have opinions on that because of the color of our skin. <laughs> and the fact that we're all white, cisgender, not curious at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, we have Jungle Land. It's, uh, it's a movie about underground fighting. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. apparently that's, that's the trend for the latter half of 2020 here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All ripoffs of a uh, Fight Club. <laughs> this this looks more like a Cinderella Man sort of deal than a, than a Fight Club. Yeah, sort of it's deal. like a it's a gritty, you know, sort of like you know, down on the luck sort of working class guy does a, does a bum fights for money, like Rocky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, at one point I think he gets indebted into uh, some some. Of the the Fight Club, maybe owners or something like that. Yeah, it was money uh, to so. some dude, that's for sure. They owe some money. I think. I think what happens is maybe his his brother is fighting at first. Is it, it seems like his brother uh, is fighting at first, and then he like owes the guy a bunch of money, and then uh, forces him to fight in his place in order to pay off the debts. Maybe so. In, I, in I two be, in uh, two phrases, I can describe the the sensibility and aesthetic of this movie so i want you to close your eyes and the two scenes that i will give you will tell you what movie this is faded beige walls neon lights reflecting in a puddle there it is right that's what the kind of movie this is (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i like it like a stale chocolate chip (laughs) cookie that's been left out a little too long (laughs) Dusty, dusty boxing gymnasium. Mmm. And musk. It's a lot of sweat. Mm. I don't wash the towels a lot. Healthy musk. All right. Well, that leads us nicely into the follow up. We have an upset, ladies and gentlemen. Tenet has been dethroned from the number one spot in its sixth week. The War with Grandpa (laughs) debuting with a solid. 3.6 3.6 million dollars good enough to wrestle away the top spot from Tenet to the tune of almost a million and a half, oh, more than a million and a half dollars more than Tenet God damn. Uh, and you know with success like that rousing six, and it's even available on streaming wow so it that's actually kind of impressive because um, <laughs> it was it split its market mm-hmm Yep. And even with that, so we have to take a look at this as our spotlight film, obviously, because this is a just surging powerhouse performance for De Niro, fresh off the Irishman. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's doing okay, not really okay with critics. <laughs> it's got a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Um, 86 audience score though, so that's that's something. Um, 5.5 out of IMDb, three out of five on Common Sense Media, and a 34 on Metacritic. But as we've discussed in the past, professional critics they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They sit in their ivory towers. They get three movie tickets. They don't have to worry about things like consumer choice or or paying to see the movies because the, their newspaper takes care of it all for them. So whatever studio gives them the most smoothing, they're gonna they can be bought. They're in the pockets of the of the corporations. But you know who's not in the pocket of the corporations? The people who review movies on IMDb. These are real reviews from real people selling real fake doors. These are real people <laughs> with real reviewer traits. <laughs> They're clean. <Movies> clean. <laughs> we keep these reviewers in tubes and in plastic bags. I think this is our fourth straight week referencing that video. <laughs> It's it's comedy keep going. Gold. I like it. It, it just it keeps going. It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, so we're going to hear from some people who thought this movie was fantastic. We're going to hear from some people that thought this movie was shit. And we're going to hear from some people who thought this movie was, hey, it's right. <laughs> All right. First up, I've got a review from Andy Burton, 76592. There are a lot of Andy Burtons on IMDb, apparently. <laughs> and uh, his review is titled, Hilarious family-friendly entertainment submitted August 30th of 2020. So quite a bit ago, actually. Saw this movie early. This movie was mainly for the kids, but it turned out to be hilarious. The kids loved it, and so did my mom. I really enjoyed it, too. It's a great family movie to bring everyone together and laugh. Fun for all ages and generations. Great cast that did a wonderful job. Don't mind the bad ratings and reviews from Trumpers. They're just salty Robert De Niro used his platform to stand up to Trump and the hate and racism he's spreading that is tearing apart and bringing this once great country to ruin. Do you really want to judge a movie on an actor's politics? Or for that matter, take reviews on a family movie from people with no morals or values? Watch the movie for yourself. I think you will find it enjoyable. 18 out of 44. When I was going through the reviews, I saw it. And I was like, okay, so this is just a regular review. And then I saw the negative reviews from Trumpsters. I'm like, I gotta take this. <laughs> well, that's so funny. I, I love it when, like, the. Because <laughs> you do all the 10 out of 10. I do the 1 out of 10. I Now, you guys, you're calling out the 1 out of 10s. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, now where are these negative Trump reviews? <laughs> And I'm like, what? Where are they? <laughs> no, they're not. This guy was they're lying. never there. Like none of this shit. Like the the straw men that the uh, high reviewers create are just never grounded in reality. <laughs> they just can't accept yeah, that someone has a different opinion than them. Maybe maybe one. Maybe maybe they like keyword search Trump <laughs> or something like that. I don't even know. For De Niro. Um, okay, so. Shit, where was it? So I think I'm gonna do this one first. So this one's actually somebody who like reviews movies because um, they put their at their Twitter at in the uh, in the end. Should I should I mention that? Uh, no. I mean, they, they, need, it on they the need to they need to uh, either donate or leave a review on iTunes or okay. Podcast Addict for us to shout them out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, blank reviews. You know who you are. 
Give us a shout out if you want. Rate this podcast five stars. We'll give you a shout out. (laughs) Rate this podcast. Send us an email. We'll shout you out. We know you like to. (laughs) We know you like to write reviews. (laughs) (laughs) One out of ten. Almost unwatchable by blank reviews. (laughs) Ridiculous, cringeworthy, and almost unwatchable. The war with Grandpa makes it hard to believe Robert De Niro would ever take part in a film like this. In this family comedy, upset that he has to share a room he loves with his grandfather, a young boy decides to declare war and attempt to get it back. If you've ever hated your grandpa as much as this kid in this film, you should get help. (laughs) You know that with a war with grandpa was clearly a filler film for both De Niro and co-star Chris Chris Walken. Call by his actual name. Christopher Christopher Walken. How did these leading men ever get persuaded into making this film? Walken was the one actor who had one or two funny lines at the, and that's it a complete waste of talent in a more the more than basic wannabe family film follow at blank blank for more at redacted for more reviews. <laughs> 15 out of 26 found this helpful you know you'll recognize your work and you know what you have to do i'll go back i'll edit this episode we'll put your name in there we can come to you in a court insert it <laughs> burr, burr, over my <laughs> yeah i won't even get jake to do his own dubbing i'll do it for him i'll do an impression of jake <laughs> oh dub him down oh i got a i got a four out of ten here from Aaron george 13 uh Four out of ten. Hollywood just keeps making movies like these every year, and then in brackets, that is a plus forty percent, which I assume is the plus forty elemental modifier for bludgeoning damage. After you read this review, it's uh, a weird bonus. Is it plus the bludgeoning damage, or is it plus the elemental effect? Chad's on bludgeoning damage. You just have to find out. Elemental bludgeoning. Oh God! All right, yeah. I'll- let me throw that up quick for you. I hate when melee and, weapons have different and, damaging types, slashing, bludgeoning. It's like, no, come on. Uh, not a lot to recommend here. It's your standard, predictable comedy with a dash of feel-good family vibes. A grandfather and his grandson, seen in the poster, indulge in a turf war for the possession of the latter's room in the house. The storyline itself is an excuse for an occasionally funny, mostly drab comedy aimed at family-friendly audiences. A few scenes did crack me up. That dodgeball sequence being one of them. <laughs> Walken is a wise addition to have in films like these, while Thurman and Riggle turn out far less amusing than expected. If you've got 90 minutes to kill and you're stuck indoors like me, go for it. Uh, 50 out of 74. Yeah, that was the featured review, as I recall. This is probably the most helpful review I've ever read, like in terms of helpfulness rating, not necessarily the content of the review. Mm-hmm. But Anne underscore iced underscore heart had a uh, had his heart thawed by this movie. He gave it an eight out of ten, uh, stating, "My family actually put down their phones for this film." Ellipses. <laughs> Getting my family to agree on something is hard enough. Getting them all to like the same thing hardly never happens. 
hardly never happens, so it happens then often. I craft mac and cheese to bring the family together. <laughs> yeah, that's why I picked this. It sounds like a fucking commercial for like craft mac and cheese. I can see how if you don't have kids, maybe you're a young couple. You may not appreciate the humor. I have a family of four whose dad actually lives with us and everyone from my 10-year-old son up to my 80-year-old dad spent the entire time howling with laughter, two exclamation points. Yes, there was a moment where my son thought it looked like a fun idea, but he was quickly corrected by his granddad that he took no prisoners and my son changed his mind, but honestly, De Niro was his usual funny self. (laughs) I'm not personally a fan of Uma. She was more grown up and relatable in this to me, so if you loved her in some of her older stuff, maybe don't watch this just to catch up on some Uma time. Slapstick humor, Cheech and Walken were the icing on the cake for us. We will be buying the DVD. Thanks for a successful family film night for once. 41 out of 62 found that help. Oh my god. Uma time. <laughs> Picture walks in every room says, it's Uma time. We can only hope. I feel like their reviews just spawned like someone opened a cursed like bag of Toll House chocolate chips and instead of the recipe on the back it was that review for this movie. <laughs> I I really connected with this reviewer because I was like, man, I could oh, man, I really connect with that like those family struggles. <laughs> I, I just Getting love some of the asides. It's like if you like, don't wow. have kids, maybe you're a young couple. Well, what if they're an older couple that Maybe. just doesn't want kids? <laughs> Fucking judgmental asshole. <laughs> and there what was that thing sh- about, like, their dad being there? Yeah, this is weird. So he's like, um, whose dad actually... Maybe you're a young couple. You may not appreciate the humor. I have a family of four, comma, whose, with no apostrophe, dad actually lives with us. So I, I guess he's referring to himself in that tense. So his his no, his I think it's a I think it's like a father-in-law woman. lives with them? or or her dad, whatever. Oh, like I thought their dad is in her husband. That's what I was thinking. Like, maybe oh, unlike most families who are split up from divorce rates, my their dad actually <laughs> lives with me. No, I think they have an old man living. Yeah, because it says yeah, everyone. Because the next sentence clarifies everyone from well. It's actually the same sentence. <laughs> everyone <laughs> from my ten-year-old son up to my eighty-year-old dad. So. Okay, yeah. It's, so, it's this so they, they really kind of this. <laughs> this is literally a movie designed for yes, that. Yes, it is. Their market <laughs> research <laughs> paid off big time. They hit hit the demographic right square on the Fucking head. Bullseye. The U.S. swimming with families where just it's a mom, dad, couple of kids, grandpa. <laughs> Always have interpreted. I love the part where it's like my son thought it was a good idea, but it was quickly corrected by his grandfather that he took no prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa's just like, oh, I was in fucking Vietnam. I will fucking kill you. I thought not. I lost good friends. <laughs> they were in the fucking trees. And he's strangling the kid in the middle of the movie theater. He's straight up taking a knife out. <laughs> Oh, Grandpa's having another one of his episodes. I'll take him out to the I hall. I have so many guns. <laughs> Somebody had a different opinion. Cicada. One out of ten. Depressing. Honestly, this movie must be a tax write-off for somebody. There is only one person in this piece of crap movie that is funny and entertaining, and that is Cheech Marin. 
His scenes are few, but his talent still shines. Everything else about this movie is about as stupid and unfunny as stupid and unfunny can be. That sentence is awful. It's just cancer. You can use this one hour and 30 minutes to do something productive, like clean your automobile or sweep the gutters in your neighborhood. Sweep the gutters <laughs> in your neighborhood? What? Much better mentally and emotionally. Ugh. How do you uh. sweep gutters? You know, you get up on top of your house with your broom and you go... <laughs> and then you clean out your horseless carriage. With... Yeah. <laughs> and then you invite the uh, the old neighbor boy to go up your chimney and go dust it out. Have a good, it's always well, good to have a good sweep the up there. Lung. <laughs> uh, Alright, and then I'll, I'll finish one off here. Uh, from Alshamari Marwa. Uh, six out of ten. Uh, fun family movie. Uh, upset that he has to share the room he loves with his grandfather, Peter decides to declare war in an attempt to get it back. Peter, why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I'll keep reading. It's fun. It's fun. fun uh, the, the, puh. It's fun comedy family movie. Simple story. It is meant to be for the family. Don't be too critical. Just sit with the family and enjoy a good movie and have a good laugh. No period. What if I don't have a family? Like, I feel all these reviews are unfairly targeting people who don't have families. Yeah. Gotta get one. Gotta get one fast. All right. I think we need to stick it to him. We need to watch The War with Grandpa. That's the war. You get... Alone? Wait, it's Black Friday families. <laughs> the lights off. Yeah, just just wait till just wait till uh Black Friday families go on sale, so you can probably pick one up then and then watch Bad Grandpa or Bad Grandpa, Grandpa whatever. That's that's whatever, another that's whatever, a different De Niro movie. <laughs> Fun family. Wait, yes, that? Bad Grandpa actually is another movie starring Robert De Niro. Um, and second place has discussed Tenant, two point one million dollars. Uh, it's made forty-eight million domestic and two hundred seventy-two million international. That's that's a good amount of money. Sure, it would have made more if the world were on fire. Hocus Pocus since twenty twenty re-release, <laughs> sitting at one point one six million. It's made. Uh, how much money have you made? Three point one million uh, worldwide in its release. The New Mutants. Falling to fourth, seven hundred and five thousand dollars down thirty three point two percent. Sorry, I'm dyslexic. Thirty two point three percent. Unhinged, still in the top five somehow. Just nine weeks in. Um, still that. Oh yeah, it is still that fucking driving movie. <laughs> yeah, it's still Fat <laughs> Russell Crowe. Thirty eight million worldwide. Coco, which according to Box Office Mojo, is in its 151st week. That's so. So funny. apparently, it never left theaters from when Peter and I reviewed it many moons ago, and we had to sit through fucking Olaf's Frozen Adventure after I gave up my seat to let a grandkid sit next to their grandparent, and all the grandkid did was bitch the whole fucking time. Oh. <laughs> so bad what a, that's a shame um apparently it's still in theaters and run two hundred ten thousand dollars. so well, i mean last ds are coming up so yeah but like i guess there's just been a handful of theaters in like 
highly Hispanic neighborhoods that never took Coco out. Oh, they just kept running it. Yeah, because it says it's week so- 151. And when you click on it, it's it's all the numbers for its original theatrical run. $209 million domestic, $597 million international. Uh, so even in 151 weeks, it couldn't crack a billion. Get on your game, Disney. Um, wow. Infidel in seventh, $205. Possessor Uncut in eighth, $150 down 40%. Yikes. Yellow Rose opening in ninth with $150,000. It's a Filipina teen from a small Texas town fights to pursue her dreams as a country music performer while having to decide between staying with her family or leaving the only home she's ever known. $150,000. And rounding out the top 10, Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. $145,000 $145,000 in its 14th week of 2020 release. Down 56%. Out of half the theaters it was in, 850 dropped it week to week. Should be out of all of them. Bad movie. That has been out for a while. so yeah. It's cool that these movies are getting like re-releases. And honestly, Hocus Pocus in theaters? Come on. Fuck yeah, dude. Hollywood just keeps making these movies plus forty percent. Um, well, Hocus Pocus is like that. That never, that was never theatrically released, right? I don't. Was that a straight to Disney? No, I gotta imagine they got Bette Midler for that when she was still kind of relevant. I gotta imagine it went in theaters. Um, let's see, original I release. I always remember it just on TV. Original release, it made thirty nine million dollars. All domestic. Oh. Uh, had an $8 million opening weekend. That's fascinating. I always thought that was like a like a Disney Channel original or well, something like that. Well, to or... be fair, it did come out the year before you and I were born. Yeah. I... So. That wasn't even a lot. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have had any idea that this existed in theaters. We couldn't even form sentences until three years after this movie had concluded its theatrical yes. run. For our opinion was invalid. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go talk some gaming news. Not a lot of gaming news that I was able to, to suss out here. Um, most of it, we have some outlets uh, pumping out some information about uh, reviews, in-depth reviews on next-gen consoles. Uh, we had some UI reveals. We saw the PS5 UI, the Xbox Series X and Series S UI actually got pushed out to Xbox One. Uh, they're going with a unified UI, so I've had some hands-on with that. It's better than it was before, but still not as easy as the PS3's UI, which I think was probably the best in terms of these guys. I never use I've never used a PS4 so maybe that's more of the same but like I never liked they did a few iterations of the Xbox 360 dashboard didn't like any of them um it was a weird thing before and then they when Windows 8 came out they pushed out the live tile thing they're like we're going to do that across everything and everyone's like I hate this make it go away and then they're like Sorry, we'll, we'll do something else. 
Microsoft Store UI. And everyone's like, no. Uh, Microsoft has had a troubled history with this. Yeah, to say the least. Um, let's see here. We have... Uh, sure, I'll accept your goddamn cookies. Uh, Bethesda games are looking increasingly unlikely on PS5. Uh, we don't have to ship to any other platform, is the quote from Phil Spencer. Uh, mm. Pushsquare.com has the story. Sammy Barker, the byline. Um, my response to this is no fucking shit. Do you think Microsoft's yeah. going to spend $7.5 billion on ZeniMax to just not have it exclusive to their platform to drive hardware sales? Like, who yeah. thought? Who yeah. thought that would happen? <coughs> Yeah, My only question is, are they going to make uh, Elder Scrolls 6? Uh, eventually. Or are they going to just repackage Skyrim? as? Because you can't, because that can't be an exclusive. Well, what they said... It's already unexclusive. Well, according to Bethesda at E3 2019, uh, it's coming, Elder Scrolls 6, but after they finish Starfield, they'll start That's working cool. on that. And Starfield has been in development Starfield for, been? I think three years now oh god i think that's what it's called Uh, starfield bethesda yes so starfield is a space rpg uh it's bethesda's first original ip in 25 years uh it's set in space and that's almost everything we know about it Wow. As of Great. September 22nd of this year. <laughs> pre-order it. So pre-order it as It soon is as listed. Now, this means absolutely <coughs> fucking nothing. Because Duke Nukem Forever was supposed to come out in 1997. <laughs> but it is listed as being on the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and S, and Windows. So... Uh, at least tentatively, there are plans for it to make it on this console generation, but who knows? I'll never know. Um, so I, I couldn't find a story I'll be of in it. The dark forever. Um, but I did hear that uh, there was some like update to PlayStation. Uh, I think the, the PlayStation Network or something like that, uh, where they were taking a bigger stance on like cyberbullying and. Uh, trying to prevent a lot of like uh, just grieving and toxicity and a lot of people like updated it to find out like they got a like one month ban for like reporting or something like that and it ended up driving up the sales or of, of uh, the xbox of different xbox um, so sure, i don't yeah. know if like how how widespread that is and how many people are actually like Tempted to leave the platform because this of like is, dumb. This is what I'm stuff. saying with like, you know, the intentions are good, but when they do stuff like that, it's always abused. And people, you know, obviously, I'm I'm paying for this service and you're gonna fucking ban me because some guy said something said that I did something that I, I maybe didn't do or it wasn't a huge deal and now you're gonna slap me with a ban yeah i could see people i don't think it's gonna be in massive droves <laughs> i will is the story is the same every console generation 
whichever console has the exclusives that people want to play is going to be the one that wins in sales. There's never... That's the only thing that matters. You just got to make quality games. And I know Microsoft bought Bethesda, but really Bethesda games, not exactly quality. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was the other one. This was the other other thing. Um, is that they're actually... I think you have to agree to this, but you probably can't get any further if you don't agree to it. Uh, party chats will be re- recorded. Oh, well, that's alarming. Yeah. Um, recorded and submitted for appraisal. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Yeah, that's a little not okay. It's kind of draconian, yeah. I'm still buying a PS5 though. PlayStation Network. Uh, you implicitly agree that your voice could be recorded. Could be. Apparently, it's nothing new. What is new is that the update shows the following message, which seems to suggest your fellow players will now be able to report a voice chat to Sony, who can listen back and see if there was anything unsavory going on. Well, we can never have a chat on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. So Saturn Studs podcast rough. will not be available on the PSN. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Oh, so I, I pulled this story largely because of the news outlet it came from. Uh, the New York Post, which is uh, about one step up from a tabloid in terms of journalistic integrity. Uh mm-hmm. And they're they're dive they have uh, they have a tech news section apparently and oh good the the headline here is Atari is launching a cryptocurrency along with its new console. <laughs> Atari isn't just getting who's this by this is by <laughs> Nicholas Vega. Atari isn't just getting back into the console game after two decades on the sidelines. It's jumping headfirst into cryptocurrency too. The retro gaming giant is introducing a digital currency called Atari Token, which users will be able to buy use to buy games with its on its new Atari VCS gaming system. So it's not really a cryptocurrency so much as it's a digital currency for the Fun company. money, yeah, for your for your platform the tokens, which they're totally coming out with. They're totally coming out with the Atari VCS. <laughs> Tokens will sell for $0.25 cents a pop beginning on October 19th on the Bitcoin.com exchange. Bloomberg reports the Atari will sell Atari will sell 4 million of them, though they will initially only be used to buy games and for in-game purchases on its console. The hope is that the token will eventually be used throughout gaming. The VCS was first announced in 2017. I remember that will be released the same month as the PS5 and the Series X. But despite top-tier competition, CEO Frederick Chesnais said the Atari will be able to make a splash. We have a brand. We have a following. We think we're going to get some attention in any case. Uh, the console will be yeah, offered as I part mean... of a bundle that includes 100 <laughs> classic games as well as two controllers for $390. So it's not even is like the, it's is the cheap. console is the console also this big and just the joystick that you plug in with the RG with the uh, the RZA cables yeah RZA cables 
Yeah, yeah, it's gonna sound like a plug and play. Is it just a fucking Atari plug? Is it an Atari plug and play Atari? Is that what we're doing? Are you trying to make me spend how much? Three hundred ninety. What was the price of it? Three ninety. Three ninety. So like the same price as a Series X. (laughs) More expensive in some cases. Yeah. Jesus. Um. Xbox okay. Series X could get this killer exclusive, and it could be bad news for the PS5, and it's about the Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> oh, okay. Hell. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that'd be that'd be pretty rough if ES Six went exclusive to Xbox. Well, I, had to, I will say, I think at the beginning, so Morrowind only ever came to Xbox on consoles. And I believe, at least in the beginning, Oblivion was an Xbox exclusive. They okay. may have later released it on the PS3. I think I, I think Skyrim again. was the first like truly multi-plat um, on release yeah, upon release Elder Scrolls game, yeah. which is why it was so big. I think, or at least part of the reason why it was so big. Gotcha. I don't don't hold me on. Actually, I'm gonna look that up right now. I know for sure Morrowind was only live fact check on the Xbox, not Bolivia, Oblivion. <laughs> live fact checking only get here on Saturn Stud. Yeah, uh, we do it as we go. Show. Yeah, we make it up as we go along. Don't, won't get this anywhere else, like on CNN. They fake news. They are fake news. Don't listen. All right, so it did eventually make its way to the PS3. Mark Oblivion's public debut occurred on yeah, 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 2K Games had aimed for 2005 publication to be a launch title for the 360. Uh, official do 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 PlayStation. Where was it? So yes, it does seem. Like, yeah, so for a year, it was exclusive to the 360. A PS3 version of the game was ported by 4J Studios and released March 20th, uh, 2007 versus the 360 release of March 20th, 2006. So it was a full calendar year exclusive to um, wow. the Xbox. So I was right. <laughs> I know my history. <laughs> Damn. All right. All right. Then, then it shouldn't be too much different. Um, that, that's from previous ones, I guess. Yeah. Other than I mean, Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> that's. There's always uh, been that working relation. Uh, that's probably why Zenimax was willing to sell to Microsoft because they've had that working relation yeah. for a while. Yeah. Not surprised. But. But that's, that's gaming news, and we need to talk about a movie. Movie. Fuck of a movie totally out there nobody's gonna understand dreams <laughs> it's gonna blow your fucking mind it's very visually impressive although some of the effects I will say uh, have not aged so well it's very true there's a couple that are it's mostly just the compositing of like the cars and stuff in the scenes looks very mm-hmm. low rent compared to today yeah, but overall, I'd say it holds. I, up. I did like a lot of the, yeah, like a lot of the visuals. A lot of the like, I think the first thing that was brought to my mind, one of the first things we saw, was when he was in that like 
I suppose Japanese style like kind of mansion. Yeah. And the water was like rushing in because he was dumped into the bathtub. Yeah. I that was cool. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of stuff's cool. Very neat. Um the hallway scene. I love hallway <laughs> scenes. You know us. We are sluts for hallways. That was, I mean, he he fucking, fucking he crafted that. That was, I think there was about two things that he wanted to do in this movie. He wanted the last ten minutes, all the story there. That's that's where all the the artistic and the 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 thinky stuff was in the last ten minutes, and that hallway scene. And he made a two and a half hour movie to scaffold that shit with <laughs> exposition. Yeah, it's really it's it's like at its core it's a heist movie. <laughs> Except instead of yeah. stealing something, they're putting something there. It's like the Burger King where he'd put the burger in your pocket with because of the savings. Yeah. He was the sneak king. And uh Christopher Nolan's adaptation of the sneak king. It it follows a lot of the same beats you would see in a, a heist movie. It's it's getting the team together and explaining the job yeah. and planning the job out, although they did a really poor job planning this job. Like it, they left a lot to chance. They didn't really account for many things. I mean, literally, the guy almost screws it up by handing the guy a gun and being like able to off himself. Yeah. Like, if he was more itchy with that trigger finger, he would have been like, "Bop." Well, Duh. when we when you learn about. Uh, DiCaprio character number 38, Cobb. Uh, I guess that makes sense that he wouldn't wouldn't really be thinking this out too well, considering what else fucking happens in this movie. Yeah, he's got a lot yeah. on his mind. <laughs> he's also... Got a few things. He, what was... I don't know what that movie was where he, where uh, DiCaprio played um, like some rich industrialist dude. Gatsby? All I, all I remember is there's... Huh? Great Gatsby? No. It was earlier than that. Um, all I remember is there's one quote at the end where he's like, he's in the bath. He's like in the bathroom trying to like, he has like a stutter. and He's trying to say it to himself. He's like, the way of the future. Oh, oh, uh, the aviator. The way, the, yeah. I, I just hear like his aviator accent just comes through. So at various points in the movie when he's like tearing up and he's like saying some important line, I'm just like, way of the future. Yeah, he played Howard. The that was the, the Howard Hughes movie. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, he's getting that. He's been chasing that love... Oscar for a long time. <laughs> he has. He really has. Uh, but my favorite character, my favorite performance in this was uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt because like they gave him... him all the huh. I like they gave him... him all the cool shit. I really like Tom Hardy. I think he was my favorite actor in this movie. But he did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, very good. Um. I. Yeah, I really liked him. Um, I I liked uh, J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt too. I think he was uh, maybe a little. This was this was on the time he's where it looked like though. he was on the rise, and then his career just like plateaued for whatever reason. Because <laughs> he had just done he he did this, and then he was in The Dark Knight Rises, and then he was in a whole lot of not much. I think he was running a tv show on apple tv for a while i think it was called pogo something like that maybe let's see um no it's hit record it was called hit record on tv i don't know when that when that happened was hit record on tv uh come on load it up uh 2014 yeah 2014 variety show 
ran for a couple seasons. Yeah, and it's now a, available on YouTube. He had a good run, and then, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, because he he had a big run. He was in Inception, then he was in The Dark Knight Rises, then he was in Looper, he was in Lincoln, and then he did his directorial thing with Don John, and then it kind of mm-hmm. dried up a little bit for for a while. And yeah, let me. Oh, he was in the Last IMDb Jedi. Say? He probably was a fucking extra. Yeah, he was a voice in the Last Jedi. Slow and low. <laughs> Slow and low. Yeah. Or it could have been um, maybe like an alien or something like that. Yeah, I would assume so. Oh, he was in. Oh, right. He's in the. He was the in Trial of Chicago Seven. He was in Knives Out. Um. Oh, so he he's just he's in he's in he's in stuff. Yeah, he's not like, it, but it looked like he was going to be like the next big leading man sort of deal, but that never really materialized for him. But I mean, he's had a good career. He started off, he's got all that third rock from the sun money, and he's got that mm-hmm. Inception money and that Batman money. He's doing just fine for himself. Um, like, I'll be in the movie, but just yeah. hook me up to the wires, and we'll do a cool flying scene. I think a lot of people have seen this movie. This is it's a decade old at this point, so I, I think I'm. I, and yeah. it's one of those cultural touchstones that most people have seen. Although Diane, uh, she asked me if the movie was any good. I'm like, you've never seen it, and she said no. So that I had never seen. I had never seen it either. You, okay, so apparently I am <laughs> way off on my assessment. I mean, I'm not I saying think... it's wrong about being a cultural touchstone because it's one of those yeah. things that everyone uh, like parodies the the little bit they've seen of it. It. I mean, Blom. Come on. Yeah, I mean we've done that. <laughs> like, that was... but although I mean, watching this, all the... it was not as prevalent as I remember it being. I remember yeah. it like being the period at every sentence in this movie, but it was used like maybe five times. <laughs> was that like an IMAX thing maybe? Was it like I think it was the, a parody the audio thing, was like, like you saw the SNL parody of Inception Whoa. and then they did that to play it up and that's what got stuck in your head. <laughs> that's the idea yeah. that they planted. Yeah, it's the it's the Mandela effect. That's see that's I came up with this. That's what I think about this movie. This movie was like an inception because it's all it was an inception for like the final theme. Cause the the complexity of this movie, it's fucking ex- it's an exponential curve. Cause it's like this, then the heist starts, and then as it goes to the fucking finish, it's like here. I'm yeah. like yeah. this this shit came out of nowhere. It ramps up real quick. Um so the the biggest I think the ending is really what stuck a lot of people. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not it's it's a dream or reality. But there are a couple important details that I'll share now to see if you guys noticed anything. Well, the one important detail is that he says the top was his wife's totem. It wasn't his. I believe this is a popular fan theory that I back. Um, I believe that it's actually his wedding ring. When he's awake mm. in the real world, he's not wearing his wedding ring. But in every dream sequence, he is. And at the end of the movie, oh. he's not wearing his wedding ring. So there's that. But there's also mm-hmm. the Michael Caine factor. So Michael Caine <laughs> did an interview where he said when he got the script from Christopher Nolan, he liked it. 
but he was hesitant to take the part because he didn't quite know what was a dream and what was reality. And Christopher Nolan said to him, well, if you're in the scene, it's real. So when he gets off the plane, Michael Caine's there to greet him. Oh, yeah. So further yeah. evidence that it was actually, it really happened. I So I took a different, like a different path on this entirely. Because I came into this with the context that this was basically like a foundational fucking text for r slash movie details <laughs> every fucking theory crafter just here's a film theory figuring out all the movie details this is like the perfect fodder for that because whenever i see inception it's just people trying to like graph out the movie and figure it all out and i'm like but what's it all for then like i that's fine you can all do that but like is it gonna say something is it gonna have a thematic element and at the end, it, it kind of did, because he does the top. He, he spins the toppy top. Um, but the more important thing is he walks away. He walks away from it to go just be with his kids. When yeah. the whole, like, his whole arc was struggling with the idea, that idea that was incepted, your world is not real. And you should do something, you know, you got to do something about that. So yeah. he overcame that virus, that thing that like caused him so much pain just said, doesn't matter. So, but he, he incepted his wife with that idea to get her to come back out of limbo with him. So you don't, he, you don't think like maybe she also incepted him. A little I bit think too? it was just yeah. more the guilt oh that he was living with, that he felt responsible for his wife's death. You know, he, he didn't technically kill her, but in a lot of ways he did. And I think wrestling with that guilt is what, what caused him a lot of his issues. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't let her go. The, the, um, yeah. The, the way I, the way I took a lot of like the top spinning scenes was like whenever he saw her, saw Mal, his wife, um, he like was overcome with like shock and, and grief and guilt. Um, and then when he would get out of the dream, he would need to spin it to be like, remember, like, hey, she's dead. Like, this is not the dream anymore. You're back in reality where she's not. She's not here anymore. Like, accept yeah. that. Also, I want to I want to just throw this out here, not related to anything we're talking about. Ellen Page's character is a nosy fucking bitch in this movie. My God, man. Respect the man's privacy. She is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was really, I, I expected him to react a lot more vitriolic. Vitriol? With a lot more vitriol? That, yeah. That's how you say those fucking string of words. I, but, like, uh, she sees yeah. him sleeping, Ellen, then she goes into his dream, and then further into his dream when he tells Hester not to, like, God damn it, bitch. What the yeah. fuck is your damage? <laughs> Bell and Page tries to go into the West Wing, and Beast DiCaprio says, You must never go there. It's forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> we were making jokes about how she would evolve into Ellen Book one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, she's there to make the, the plot happen. That's what a lot of, that's one of the grippy gripes i got with this was that a lot of this movie is just like because it's a hard it's there's a lot to unpack for a general audience which he is shooting for he's shooting for the general audience he's like there's this shit happening and i gotta explain like all of this to these these popcorn munchers yeah i mean like that's that that was a good lens 
to explore through, but it made sense. Like her her role on the team was necessary. They needed someone else to design the dreams because if Leo did it, then there was going to be issues. Um, mm-hmm. so they. I guess I'm just talking more generally. Like it kind of pervades the film, um, and it is to to me. It, it came off to me as heist movie plus dream elements, like you said. Um, whereas I don't know if the marketing was like this or not. It felt like the marketing to me was dreams. The, the Inception technology, look at this, and we're going to do a heist with it. A lot of the marketing, as I recall, was built around the uh, the effects, like yes. more in the set design. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, when Ellen Page is the first time they go into a dream and she's like building things and it's like all cattywampus and upside down and running like that, there was a lot of that focus on the marketing like look at this cool visual style that at the time audiences really hadn't seen before um and that i remember mostly being i haven't watched the trailer i probably should have done that before we started but um i that that's what stuck out to me the most in the marketing i remember watching it i didn't see it in theaters because i i just didn't but i remember my my uncle chris buys like every movie and he brought it up to uh, grandma's once, and we all watched it. And uh, I remember like liking it a lot. I thought it was really cool, all the visual elements, but like being a little bit fuzzy on the story. And I guess I just wasn't paying close enough attention because I watched it uh, intently this time because I wanted to see if the wedding ring theory stacked up. It does. And uh, watching it carefully, maybe it's just I've watched a lot of movies since then and I'm more refined in my movie watching abilities both good and bad uh but like this it seemed like pretty straightforward to me for the most part watching it this time it's like okay we've got the situation he wants to go back home to his kids Ken Watanabe can make that happen so he's doing this <laughs> job for him and then let them fight <laughs> he's doing this job for him he gets his crew together. They go in. Uh, they immediately encounter speed bumps. <laughs> I think throwing the limbo thing in there was a, I think, unnecessary dramatic element addition. Like it raised the stakes, yes, but it just got it. Would just felt so like thrown in there that. I kind of, mm-hmm. it kind of, I don't want to say it took away from the movie, but I felt it was, it would have worked without that element. And I feel like, well, I guess it, yeah, I guess it put meaning into like them being chased and attacked by their, by the um, subconscious. Yeah, I think, um, by the projections. Cause if, if, if there was no, like if they got shot in the head, they would just wake up. Like that doesn't have any gravity, but if they got shot and killed, they're I think you could have done it in a way where if they were woken up prematurely, it would just it the job would be ruined. Like you could it like because you have to you could have put in an element of like there needs to be synchronicity in the dreams to a certain extent, which they kind of did with the kick. One wakes up, we all wake up. So like if a someone on a higher level dream dies in their dream and wakes up then everyone on a lower level like gets kicked out or then you could have said on a lower level that that something happens to them there and like their minds like experience torment but i think like 
the whole concept of limbo. Like, I don't have a problem with it necessarily. It just seemed like it was thrown in there to be like, okay, we need to add some some stakes to the action sequences here. So let's throw in this element here. It felt like a late addition yeah. in a rewrite. They're like, oh, well, what if we did this? And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's that's fine. Throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I also think it was it's sort of a, I agree, it's like a technical bridge where you can't just be like, if you die in the dream, you die in real life. He could do that, but he's like, I need to like explain what this limbo thing is so that at the climax of the film, when Leo's in like this fucking, like he's almost on the brink of insanity in like the deepest depths of, of the mind, uh, they'll understand what the, what the, the, um, the stakes are there. Yeah. I mean, it it worked out. Like I, I don't, like Mm -hmm. I said, I don't have a problem necessarily with its inclusion. I just felt it was a little artificial, but I guess Um, to the extent of like, how the emotional resolution happens how he like moves on it's like yeah i did grow old with her we did have a nice time together like limbo needed to exist for that to happen i guess so yeah yeah touche um, chris nolan um, i did just watch the trailer uh, i just watched the trailer so like a lot of it was those big ticket ones the big ticket scenes where it's like the city folding in half um the elevator going up on the beach fruit uh, where where if you didn't see it if you never saw the movie you'd be like what the fuck how is he falling down a hallway like yeah. that so definitely intrigues you into the set design sort of element but the trailer had all the wah, oh, okay the, <laughs> the trailer it was like non-stop i have a job for <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's where my mem- my memory just conflated that yeah. i think that's where it probably comes from. um well you, you mentioned set design jake and that's a that's a point i want to bring up because i noticed this watching the movie i don't know if y'all did like now scenes look different from other scenes when you go to a different set you have a different set that's it's, you know pretty sure, stupid normally. point but i'll make it <laughs> but like in this movie every set was very different from each yes, other's set. Very like, unique. And oh. I think they, they really took advantage of the the premise they constructed to do that. Like in the beginning, you know, it's just New York City on a rainy day. And I like how they brought in elements of like your body and how it affects the dream world. Like the mm-hmm. chemist had to pee and that's why that was it was raining <laughs> in the city uh, yeah they had very smart ideas very very and smart then ideas. in the second level of the dream they're in a, like a upscale hotel completely different kind of setting and then in the third level they're just on fucking shadow moses island they're just, like they've got, mm-hmm. they're on a complete 180 in terms of aesthetic and feel even even more than that um even like subtler than that like all of the the corporate dude's dreams all of his sort of before it gets before it even gets crazy like you have the bar scene right and that's got a color and palette and that's different from the um looking at a, across the foyer where ellen page and joseph gordon levitt are sitting and they're like surveying the scene and then yeah, that's lightings. a different color than yeah. you know, like the hotel that's a different color palette than the plane that they're on like every scene is like we're just gonna make this we're going to make this scene very distinct. Like it's just start from scratch almost each time. Yeah. And then they could, 
I think this movie was made in a similar method, but done the right way. As uh, I don't know if y'all remember the Scarlett Johansson movie Lucy, mm-hmm. which was mm. definitely just some screenwriters like, you know, wouldn't this be a cool scene to put in a movie? Wouldn't this be a cool scene to put in the movie? And then like trying to come up with some plot to stitch that together. I think Inception was yeah. born of a similar concept, but had a much better connective tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really seems like it. I, I do know. I, I know what's on Christopher Nolan's like YouTube. He has a playlist. It's like a 4K playlist, and it's all just waves, just wave like ocean wave footage. <laughs> one hour, 4K. Because you look at this movie, you look at Tenet, you look at Interstellar. The man likes his tidal forces. Yeah, they yeah. add they add drama. There, it's a relatable, powerful. Tide goes message. in, tide goes out. Can't explain it's that. It's a very relaxing noise too. Puts you at a sense <laughs> of ease. But you can also make suspense, like waking up on a beach. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Did a lot of waking up you. on beaches. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's it's all the that always brought me back to like the bring washing up on the shore of the subconscious. That that line stuck yeah. with me. Because they did a lot of that. They did. And uh, the movie itself, like, the way the the plot progresses, it's kind of shot out of order. Like, you start at the end, which is not necessarily uncommon, but you're like, well, how did we get here? Because they did it kind of cleverly, because they start at the end, but then, like, they kick it up to where you're still in Ken Watanabe's dream for the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. So you're like... Okay, so that was just another level of the dream, but then you're like, wait, no, no, no. Okay, that's at the end. That they're like four levels deep, man. They're like they're way down there. <laughs> Actually, I think that would have been five levels deep, right? I have what? No idea. So the first level this was New York, New York and then the hotel. The uh, then Shadow then the hotel, Moses, and then the the snow, the then snow Cobbs, the the. The James Bond 007 yeah, then level. It, then it's Cobb's uh, <laughs> apartment, and then it's Ken or or who else is uh, whoever else. It's it's the dream of Ken Watanabe as an old man. So that's five levels down they went. Mm-hmm. Is that really he had a he had to go another level off like off I camera? I think that's what happened because he, he had to find. Saito down there before yeah. he could Yeah, he had to find Saito in limbo. But I I would I would oh, think shit. that it was it would have had to have been another level deep because it was a completely different construction and it was in mm-hmm. I think it was in yeah. Saito's mind. Wait, what are we talking about? Cops at the very end. Yes, so yeah, cuz yeah, he had to find him and find his uh thing so they went because when he went yeah when he went to go find fisher then he had to go find saito yeah. after ellen that. page found fisher and then she took him out and then he had to go find saito and i believe he had to go one level deeper yeah mm. so wow and this draws me back to so how we got why, here that's why he was probably so old that's why he was probably so yeah old and that's the they him. actually incepted saito a little bit or they incepted each other a little bit not necessarily like in the same method, but like 
the idea of like being an old man alone waiting to die like that was something they kicked it around of each other a couple times and that's yeah. probably how he knew to find sight though maybe that was intentional um i i kind of want to get back to how i gave you all this idea how we got to this movie selection for tonight for today um i recommend you all find this it's a it's a pretty popular video it's just called inception in real time and it is the entire inception operation or at least all the dream layers um stacked up against each other yeah, uh, time cool. dilated to their equivalents hmm. yeah i'll check that out and it's here. a it's yeah and it shows that like the whole the uh the entirety of the um operation took about four and a half minutes if you if you go by screen time it's it's pretty uh-huh. nifty yeah huh. but i mean yeah because I was, I was wondering how much because that was the other thing is i thought it was 10 hours was all different real time. Well, they had 10 hours. But they wake up at the, the flight, end the f- of the flight. Like, I don't know how long it took them to set it up. But they wake up at the end mm-hmm. of the flight because they say they're landing in Los Angeles in like 30 minutes and they're handing out immigration papers. And I don't know mm-hmm. how recently either of you have flown internationally, but that's not done until like the end of the flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they cut, well, they said they cut a lot of time in, in there. Which is why I'm so uh, impressed that Saito's influence got that situation resolved in such a small amount of time. <laughs> yeah, all I gotta do is one one, one call, call. Sure, I'll buy that. But like, they were able to like they must have like pushed that to the front of the priority stack to get all those charges dropped in 30 minutes. <laughs> he just bought America. It seemed neater. I bought the airline. <laughs> it was simpler. It's cleaner. Um, oh, my camera's just yeah. But really, really good movie. If you if you haven't seen it, if if you are uh, also on the prove Kurt wrong train, um, <laughs> definitely check it out. It's uh, it's a great movie. It's. Um, not like a popcorn flick, kick back, easy to watch. Like it's it's a movie that you should pay attention to, and watch closely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, getting whatever headspace. I'd you also need to try do the sub. That. Unless you want to listen to it like on full blast, like I maybe the put dialogue the was on. mastered pretty low. I had to turn my volume up quite a bit. I yeah, and I I had I mean I, my my roommates. I don't know if anybody was sleeping in my place, so. I like kind of turned it a little bit down. I didn't want it to. It was like late at night, so I wasn't like trying to blast the wall. I mean, the sound design was excellent. Uh, like I got a new sound bar that has its own oh, independent yeah. subwoofer, and like I give. So the TCL Alto Seven Plus gets a uh, recommendation from me. It's actually pretty cheap. It's only one hundred twenty-five dollars, um, and like very good bass, good separation on all the levels. I could feel. The rumble, it was it was nice. pretty good. Money well spent, much better than the old sound bar. Um, for those who, yep, yeah, for those who enjoy la cinema. If you like um, Christopher Nolan movies, this is peak Nolan, I would say. I think this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can make an argument for the Dark Knight, but that's a different like that's good for different reasons. But this is like mm-hmm. peak Christopher Nolan style of filmmaking. 
he really becomes he he goes from Chris Nolan to Chris Hollywood here, <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Yeah, and Stone Cold said so. On that will uh, I can't top that, so we'll just wrap it up there. Um, and uh, finally, I know we pushed it off a couple weeks, but we want to get some for the king in there. Finally, this week tonight, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, will be. Celebrating five years of Saturn Studs with Mass Effect 3. We'll be wrapping up that trilogy. Uh, we're just going to play it how it is on my machine. I have no idea what mods I have installed. Uh, we're just going to we're gonna roll the dice. We could get a vanilla ending. We could get the extended cut. We could get the happy ending mod. I have no idea. But we're just going to we're gonna go for it. Uh, it's actually going to be exciting because I have... I bought the DLC pack and I have never played any of the story DLC for Mass Effect 3 before. So new experiences. Oh, very cool. Very um, cool. Dope. I've played From Ashes, which was day one DLC, which was fucking bullshit, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and uh, yeah, that should be a good time, so make sure you swing by Twitch TV backslash Saturn Studs at 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, next week, the show might come out a little bit later typically release Saturdays at three but I have I have to take my bunny on on some speed dating uh so we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes I don't know what when <laughs> how long that'll take and when I'll be back but we'll get the we'll get the uh the show up as soon as we can so that might be a little bit later than you're typically used to but you can find the show on iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. Uh, please, if you enjoy the show, uh, leave it a good review on whatever app you're listening to. It really helps our visibility, and uh, we appreciate it greatly. And if you drop us a line, send us an email uh, showing your review or being like, hey, I wrote a review on X platform, uh, we'll shout you out. Uh, we'll plug your twitter we'll plug your facebook we'll plug whatever you want us to plug <laughs> we'll do that for you all you have to do is just give us a review preferably a positive one plug your mom and plug your fucking and, mother uh, yeah that's that's it for episode 233 we'll be back next week with 234 taking a look at uh something and don't forget we have a episode on halloween this year so we'll 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 be in costume, we'll maybe do silly voices, and we'll be reviewing Army of Darkness. So that's coming up in two weeks. Next week, I don't think we've decided on a topic yet, but uh, you're not going to want to miss it. The show is uh, is not one that you want to miss. So until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.